Amen, church. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder. And uh, I want the Lord Jesus to go ahead and come. I'll just be honest with you right now. But in the meantime, it is good to be together with God's people. Thanks to everyone who's here. Thanks to everyone who's here online. Uh, it is good that God has provided us a place to come together and worship and to feed ourselves on God's word. Uh, imagine that a, a preacher we don't even know here at Wilshire were to walk in during our worship service stand in the back somewhere, be right there by the Gramblings, and say, you know what? This whole place is a gang hideout. You guys are all just criminals. You go out, you commit crimes, you come in here and you think, God's going to be fine with you, and he's going to protect you. What would your reaction be to somebody that came in and did that at Wilshire? Well, <clears throat> odds are it's not going to be thumbs up on social media. And I give you that illustration because that's one of the most famous episodes of many famous episodes in the life of the person I want to talk to you about today, God's prophet Jeremiah. I don't know how you imagine what it would be like to be a prophet. I know growing up, I thought being a prophet would be pretty cool. You know, God speaks to me. I get to talk to other people. That'd be neat. Jeremiah, maybe more than anyone else, because we have more biographical details embedded in, his, in the book that bears his name, Jeremiah, maybe more than anyone else, tells us, it's really rough to be chosen by God to do this job. And it calls out of someone who is chosen to speak God's word, even when it's unpopular, it calls for some of the hardest of love. And we're doing this series on love hard. You know, the, the parts of love that are easy, we all are pretty good at that. We can love our friends because they like us already. But we're talking about the stuff that's hard to do in love. And I want to talk today about Jeremiah. He didn't want to be a prophet. And and even if he had wanted to be a prophet, he wouldn't have wanted to be a prophet at the time that God called him to be a prophet. His call is, is really the first thing that we get in the book that bears his name, starting in verse 4, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, you were set apart. I appointed you as a prophet. To the nations. 
Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Jeremiah did not want this job. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build up and to plant. Jeremiah, you come at a time when nations and politics are in absolute upheaval. And I want you to speak my word clearly and distinctly so people hear it. It's not your job to make people like it. A lot of people won't like it. It's not your job to make people obey it. A lot of people won't obey it. Your job is to take the words that I've put in your mouth and to speak them clearly so people know what God is saying today. Jeremiah didn't want that job. And if he had wanted the job, he wouldn't have wanted it at the time in Israel's history when he was getting it. This is the worst time in Israel's history. Jeremiah was called to preach God's hard truths during the worst period of Israel's history. Israel politically is quite weak at this time, unable to resist its stronger neighbors. This is, this is a period of great empires rising. Assyria has already come in and almost destroyed the, the last remaining holdout, did destroy the northern kingdom of the Jews, the last remaining holdout kingdom, this kingdom centered around the city of Jerusalem and the temple that was there. Assyria had almost destroyed them. God had protected the city during the days of Isaiah. But now Babylon, this new power, has arisen. And Israel has to play this terribly dangerous game of balancing the superpowers. You know, do I, do, do, do I side with Egypt? Do I side with the remnants of Assyria? Do I side with Babylon? How do I play this game so that we can somehow survive? And it's not going well. And the reason it's not going well, Jeremiah knows and has revealed to him, is because the people have given up their loyalty to God, by and large. The kings do what's politically expedient, whether it's what the law requires or not. The people do what's economically advantageous, whether it's what the law requires or not. Those who are rich and powerful use their power to abuse and take advantage of the poor. They know what the law says about that. They know that the law and the prophets have already proclaimed God sees the way we treat the poor, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners. God sees that. 
but it's not making a difference. And so Jeremiah is called to tell God's hard truths during one of the worst periods of Israel's history. Chapter 7 is that episode I just recreated in our imagination. Chapter 7, he goes into the temple when people are worshiping and says, this is just a, a robber's hideout. This is just a den of thieves, this whole building. Because you guys go out and you, you oppress the poor and you worship any old God that is convenient for you to worship or that you think might help you today. You turn your back on the God who created us as a nation and who has been with us and helped us so often. You turn your back on that God. You do those terrible things and then you come back, running back to worship and say, well, I'll say a little prayer. I'll do a little repentance sacrifice. What's God going to do? Destroy the city? Destroy his temple? God wouldn't do that. We're safe. As long as we're here in the building, we're safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. And Jeremiah says, don't believe it. God has asked you and you have committed to bind yourselves to be a light to the world, bound to his word, bound to his covenant. And by your refusal, you are dooming this place to be taken apart stone by stone, to be leveled by the enemies of God's people. That's going to happen, Jeremiah says, right at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah. And his preaching doesn't get any more popular after that, I'll just let you know. He's called over and over again to say hard, hard things that people do not want to hear. That's what often happens when we are standing with the word of God. We, we are often running contrary to what people would like to hear. That's just, that's the way it is. And, and the hard job of love is to say the truth even when it's an uncomfortable truth. Because it's God's truth. One of the standout passages, this is just one of several that hits on this theme. Jeremiah doesn't have political power. He doesn't have, it doesn't look like political connections really. Isaiah, it seems like, had some of those. But Jeremiah doesn't have much of that. But repeatedly, he goes into the royal palaces when he's allowed to or stands near them when he's not allowed to and he'll just talk and preach at the king. He does this over and over again. Regime change after regime change because there at the end that started happening way too quickly. And he will just call the king to account for not living according to God's righteousness, the king, the most powerful person in the land, is not above God's righteousness. And people kind of know that, but at the same time, the king's the king. And, and why should I stick my neck out to say, you know, you shouldn't do this? And so God's prophet Jeremiah gets that job again and again. One passage I'm just pulling out for you, Jeremiah 22. If 
you have the study sheets, I printed it for you. Otherwise, just turn to Jeremiah 22. Look at verses 13 through 17. Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He's talking about the king's practice of requiring people to give at least a month of their time, the able-bodied, to come and do free labor to build up the king's projects. He says, I'll build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it. He panels it with cedar, decorates it in red. God says, does it make you a king to have more and more cedar paneling? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. When the king is corrupt and the king's advisors won't tell him he's corrupt and there's nobody in the upper echelons of government to tell him you've got to stop doing this, God pulls a prophet and says, God sees what you are doing. And even you, king, with all of your power are answerable to God's law. Jeremiah was called to preach God's hard truth that lying and stealing and greed is wrong even when the king does it. That's not the kind of thing that's going to get you a big pulpit. That's not the kind of thing that's going to get you uh, lots and lots of popularity. You're not going to go well. It's not going to go well for you in the polls when you preach things like that. And in fact, that's the kind of thing that makes your life miserable. That passage that uh, we had read for our scripture reading today, Jeremiah is not happy being a prophet. He gets one of many things that happened to him. He gets put in public stocks as a liar and as a traitor. Israel's in a, or Judah is in a conflict with the Babylonians, and he's saying, God says, if you stay here in the city and keep trying to defend it, you're all going to die. The only people who are going to make it are the ones who run out of the city and make it to the Babylonians, beg for mercy. Well, that's treason. That's traitorous. He gets stuck in stocks for that, and he gets a lot of other things that happen to him. It's what God said to say, so he said it. But he complains about it to God. If you go to that chapter 20 of Jeremiah, verse 7 says, You deceived me, Lord, you, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I can't fight against you, God. I'm going to keep saying what you say, but 
what you want me to say, but I, I don't feel like this is what I signed up for. I'm made fun of all day long. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word, I won't speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot. Jeremiah says, you've made me this way, God. You've overpowered me. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a prophet. I don't want to tell God's word. Because it's not popular. It's making my life hard. When I say, okay, I'm going to keep quiet. I'm just, it's not a good time to talk about the word of God. It's not a politic time to do that. It's not a popular time to do that. Let's keep quiet. I can't. It's just like burning inside of me. And I just get worn out trying to keep it to myself, and I can't. And it has to come out. That's what Jeremiah says. That's what it's like to be in the grip of God's truth, God's word. Telling God's hard truths cost Jeremiah popularity, happiness, even his physical safety. If you look at his career, he writes things down. The king takes that and shreds it and burns it in public in front of his court. He gets thrown into the stocks. He gets imprisoned with no food. Nearly dies that time. God saves him through the king's agency. Then he gets thrown into a cistern where they really are just going to forget him. They're not going to feed him. They're not going to take care of him. It is just death by slow starvation. God rescues him from that, but not only after a lot of suffering. It's a tough life that God calls Jeremiah to. And, and I don't want you to get the impression that people understood clearly who Jeremiah was. There were other prophets. That's a big part of the story of Jeremiah. There were other prophets who were claiming to speak for God who said just the opposite of what Jeremiah would say. He would say, God has destined the city of Jerusalem to fall. Other prophets would stand up and say, no, 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 no. Just like in the days of Isaiah. God's going to save the city again. That's going to happen. And people didn't know who to believe. They had paid attention to the covenant of God. If they had known the word of God, they could have gotten some clues. But it seems that Jeremiah's voice was not clearly recognized as from God until everything he predicted came true. In the meantime, he had to stand up in an age where people didn't know what was true and proclaim God's truth and say, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe. This is what God thinks. And even if people ridicule and even if people 
mock. This is what God says. This is the word of God. A little bit later in that same chapter, Jeremiah says, I hear many whispering in verse 10 and following. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he'll be deceived, then we'll prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. The Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Telling God's hard truths made Jeremiah look vulnerable and alone, but he wasn't, because God was with him. It's, it's a fascinating ending to the story. That when the Babylonians come, just as Jeremiah predicted. When they destroy the city, just as Jeremiah said they would. The Babylonians know that there is a real prophet in the city. Orders have been given that if you can find this person named Jeremiah, you protect him. Don't let him be hurt when the city is taken. He's famous among the enemies of God because his words were true words. They were the word of God. Church, we live in a time of upheaval. It is not nearly as bad as what Israel went through. I know that, you know, your newspapers are going to tell you it's the end of times, but but our culture is going through upheaval, nevertheless. And it is a time in which it is difficult to stand up and say, this is what God's word says. This is what God's word is saying. It's always been difficult to do that. It will be difficult in the coming years to do that. Jeremiah shows us, don't be under any illusions. It can be hard. But he also says this to us, and I take comfort, and I hope you will too. When we are dedicated to saying God's truth, God is with us. Jesus, the end of the Gospel of Matthew, says, I want you to go out and I want you to tell about me everywhere. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize. Jesus knew that he was sending his apostles out to do a difficult task, an unpopular task. History records that all of them at one point or another were sentenced to execution by 
government authorities. John survived his execution miraculously. He dies an old man in exile. Jesus knew he was sending them out. He says at one point, like sheep among the wolves. He knows that this world is not ever going to be a friend to godliness. That we are establishing a kingdom that is against the kingdoms of the world. The church of Jesus Christ is its own kingdom and it stands like a city on a hill against the kingdoms of the world. It's not going to be popular always. But Jesus ends in that gospel of Matthew saying, you go out there and you preach and you make followers, disciples. And I want you to see this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may feel like you're a minority when you speak what God's word says. You may suffer ridicule. You may suffer rejection. You may even suffer physical threats. But Jesus has promised that he is with you. Church, as 2 Timothy 1 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Let's go forth and honor the word of God. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you so much for your love to us. And God, we are working day by day to let your spirit in us make us love more. God, we are working day by day to let your spirit help us love you more and to help us love those around us more. And God, we love your word. And God, give us the strength and the courage to be loyal to what your word says. Help us to tell the truth, even when it's not a popular truth. Help us to tell what the word says, even when it is not what the culture is choosing to believe for the time being. God, give us the strength to stand up for you, knowing that in the end, your son Jesus will stand up for us. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation to be part of this mission, to be the city set on a hill, to be the salt of the earth, you may need prayers or help to do that, and you may need to ask for those prayers in a public way. In just a minute when we sing, you can come forward. Or today may be the day that you take the name of Jesus publicly, proudly, confess that you believe in him, and be buried and raised up to be his child. If you want to take that step today, why don't you come as together we stand and sing.